This is Southern Tier Close-Up on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. White, and this is the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. Joining me today on the program is Bukham Rossetti, the Care Compass Network Senior Project Manager, for a little thing that they've got going on with trauma-informed environment in pediatric primary care. That sounds terribly complicated. How did I do on your first name? Oh, that was perfect. Yay. <laughs> well, welcome to the program. Um, this this had me very intrigued. Um, let's let's talk first of all what it is. Lay the groundwork for our, our people listening about what we're talking about when we say creating a trauma informed environment in pediatric primary care. What what is this thing that we're talking about? Well, it's definitely very exciting, Kathy. Uh, when we talk about trauma informed care, it's really discussing the strength-based framework, uh, which takes into account uh, the complex nature and effects of trauma on an individual. And while at the same time, it helps to promote healing and resilience within the organization for both the staff and also the clients or the patients or the students and community that they serve. Well, we're talking pediatric care, so already people understand that we're talking young people. When we're talking trauma, a lot of people aren't thinking, are, are only thinking physical trauma, like somebody's been in a car accident or something like that, but this goes beyond that. That's correct, yes. Um, what we know about ACEs or adverse childhood experiences, are it, it moves beyond that physical uh, traumatic uh, experiences. So ACEs are potentially traumatic events that occur in uh, a child's life between ages 0 and 17. And that could be uh, experiencing witnessing violence, abuse, neglect, such as divorce, witnessing violence in their home, uh, community, or having a family uh, with mental health uh, illness challenges, and um, or having a member who died by suicide. So these are some of the complexities or like bullying, right, um, that a child experiences. So it, it really is more than just, you know, getting in a car wreck, that, that sort of thing that that we consider uh, traumatic experiences that have such a huge uh, impact and um, and has been linked to a lot of chronic health conditions in adults, like mental health conditions and substance use concerns and um, problems in adulthood. And it also, uh, research uh, has shown that it also negatively impacts education, job opportunities, and even earning potential, and basically the ability for our young children or a child uh, to thrive in those conditions who have experienced adverse childhood experiences. And it's not all uh, adverse childhood experiences are, um, uh, you know, can be uh, traumatic or cause all those uh, uh, problems or uh, potential adult uh, issues. But it definitely increases that risk. Well, this uh, those is risk factors. This is something that I don't think people think about so much because I mean, it's part of of life that you experience stuff, unpleasant things, terrible things, um, things that may be avoidable, things that may not be avoidable. And I think, as far as the general public goes who are not trained to specifically uh, help young people and children along in their development, 
this might be something that is just like, yeah, you know, that that's it is what it is. These things happen to a kid, you know. You, you maybe they lose a parent at a young age, and and they're they're forced to be out on their own, and and it, it forms the kind of person they are, and that is just the way being human is. But it, there is a way that young people can be guided through these things to have a better outcome. Oh yes, and it starts with each and every one of us really learning about. Uh, ACEs and the impact um, of, of just trauma on uh, our, our development, on our children's development, and, and how it shapes our, you know, learning and the potential for, you know, jobs, the ability to thrive and have meaningful lives, right? And that's only um, just being a, uh, a mentor, being a uh, sensitive caregiver that, uh, that's there to help support and give reassurance or um, be emotionally uh, there, you know, like coaches, teachers, right? Even primary care providers have such um, an ability to impact these young adults or children from the early onset and uh, to help give them uh, encouragement, you know, really look at uh, fostering and uh, promoting those uh, protective factors and um, that can help to uh, for them to thrive and grow and have something to believe in and uh, so those are really you know uh, from my perspective uh, uh, fundamental or simple uh, you know gifts or uh, gifts that we can give to our uh, children and those that we connect with on a day-to-day basis or just a simple hello or a smile, right? Or you're doing a great job, you know? You did this wonderful, um, you know, way to go. Oh, we need to hear um, that as adults. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And uh, it's funny that you said that because trauma-informed care is about that, right? When when we look at uh, transforming the, uh, say, the pediatric primary care clinic, and we actually have four pilots going on um, all across this southern tier. That's and, nine uh, ca- nine counties, right? That's correct. That's correct. And um, so we're looking. There's two uh, school di- uh, school pilots that are taking place. One is Whitney Point uh, Central School District, and uh, the Children's Home, and then Mothers and Babies is the other one that we are embarking on uh, this trauma informed journey with. So when we look at trauma-informed principles and practices, uh, a trauma-informed organization uh, school would be to increase safety for all, right? Uh, It means improving the social environment uh, that improves relationships for all, and that includes the staff in and of itself. Uh, It cares for the givers, the providers in a pediatric office, the office staff. Uh, the clinical staff, and really looking at that holistic approach that uh, that helps promote healing and resilience. And it also reduces the negative uh, effects of uh, re-traumatization for each encounters and events that to help heal. And then it promotes a culture of hope and health for our community. Plus, at the same time, increases success and satisfaction for all that that's involved, be it the entire staff, clinic, 
be it the community, the families that they serve, and also the, the, the patients themselves who doesn't want to feel heard, who doesn't want to be empowered in their uh, decision-making uh, as part of their treatment plan, right? What ages are we talking about when we're most concerned about the, this, as it is a, a, almost a groundwork for your, your future health down, down the road? I thought it was very interesting to see in the one news release that we got about this, a 20-year difference in the life expectancy for those that have high scores for adverse childhood experiences that go untreated. But what ages are we starting that we, that we are starting to look at what is impacting kids and where is the cutoff as far as talking about pediatric care? You know, when we take a look at that from a, um, a prevention uh, perspective, it really starts even when the child's in the womb. Wow. Right? Prenatal care, the importance of that. And that's why we actually chose mothers and babies because of their work with the families and, um, uh, you know, pregnant women. And so that's really, so when you, um, you ask me that, it really, it starts, it's a family, right? The whole dynamic, the, the, the whole culture, the whole environment and the whole community of like resources to be able to help and support and advance um, better health and access for, for families for um, pregnant women and the whole entire uh, system. And what we have from the data perspective on uh, these ACEs, they're tracking it from, you know, zero, right? Zero to 17. But we know that children grow up to be adults. Yeah, well, and, yeah um, they have kind of a tendency to do that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. And, you know, unresolved or, um, you know, the, the, these toxic stress, Right, that um, that um, that children experience through these traumatic, um, you know, experiences, and if they don't have somebody, one individual, you know, a positive individual in their life to really help and support and buffer, it can escalate, you know, to unhealthy uh, behaviors and cause lasting, really negative uh, effects on the health and well-being as a total. Uh, for our entire system. So, I mean, it just increases the risk of, you know, maternal and child health problems and complications, you know, cancer, disease, diabetes, heart diseases, mm. and suicide. Are, yeah. The, this past that. this past year must have really, you know, really thrown things a kilter when you were looking at how the normal situations were and then everything just really had the rug yanked out under them with the, all the situation with the pandemic and people losing jobs and all this, you know, change in the family dynamic. That really must have accelerated the uh, the, the the really the the resolve of the organizations to move forward with these pilot programs and and address these needs in our community yes it does i mean it, it wasn't a you know the timing was not perfect right for the yeah. pilot launches yeah yeah right at all <laughs> but um yes i mean uh when we take a look at you know the pre-covid research you know data it, and then post-covid it's it, just it's mind-boggling and you know these pilots really will help to really bridge that gap 
Kathy, in, in helping to really strengthen our organization that we serve or that are serving uh, the children and patients and their families really organize themselves and also at the same time promote uh, a culture of safety, a culture of empowerment and community integration to be able to support themselves and also the um, the children that they serve. We only have a minute left. Um, how long are these pilot programs running and do we have an end game where we're going to see some sort of a report or some, um, some uh, information coming out about the success and, and challenges that we face down the road? Yes, we will. <laughs> so that would be um, our goal. Each of the pilots um, it's an 11 to 12 months, so uh, pilot program ending March, March of 2022. Mm-hmm. So uh, any lessons learned and uh, from these pilot uh, implementation will sh- be shared across our nine county region and even at the New York A-10. And um, we're actually having a learning symposium, a second annual regional trauma-informed care learning symposium in October. It's October 14th. We're offering free workshops uh, to help support and build uh, compassion and resilience, and it's free and open to the public. Um, more information is on the carecompassnetwork.org. Uh, so for anybody that would like to visit and get registered, so we're really looking at, um, you know, like calming the storm workshop that um, the foundational de-escalation uh, on verbal de-escalation uh, secondary trauma, uh, self-care strategies, really support our workforce and our community as a whole to be able to uh, openly, you know, address some of these difficulties, especially with uh, the past year and a half with COVID challenges and difficulties. So, um, yes, we will be sharing out the lessons learned and the successes and, and, and how to... Um, we're actually going to be updating and revising uh, our toolkit for um, trauma-informed care. So then there's greater expansion of um, uh, these pilots across our region. Well, thank you very much for being my guest. This has been very interesting. And we'll, uh, we'll be inviting you back when we get some more information in on how these pilots have been running. Thank you very much for being my guest. Oh, thank you so much, Kathy. Happy to help. This has been the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. I'm Kathy White for the Southern Tier Close-Up.